Welcome to the Peak City Podcast. We're your hosts, Shane Reese. Heather Taylor. Nick Bryant. And I'm Amber Keister. On today's episodes, we continue our school principal series where we speak with local school leaders about their schools, their goals, what keeps them up at night, and what makes it all worthwhile. This year, Apex Middle School welcomed a new principal, Raleigh Bame. Raleigh, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, everyone. Principal Bame arrived at Apex Middle School this past May after serving as principal at Laurel Park Elementary for seven years. Before that, she was an assistant principal at several schools, including Greenhope High, Sanderson High, and Mills Park Elementary. She was also a classroom teacher. Raleigh is an award-winning educator who is known for cultivating a supportive community for teachers and students. Before we get started, we want to remind folks that our podcast is supported by Keller Williams Legacy in Beaver Creek. So Raleigh, we're excited to sit down with you today. Let's start with, can you tell us a bit about your background and how you got to Apex Middle School? Absolutely. Well, I originally grew up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and went through the Teaching Fellows program and, and wanted so badly to be a teacher really close to NC State University, where I went to college. And so um, I actually did my student teaching at what is now Oberlin Road Middle School and ended up teaching middle school for about six and a half, seven years. And I say six and a half to seven years because at that point, I interned at Cary High School, followed my principal at the time when he was named to Cary High School. And that's how I kind of got my foot in the door in secondary. So, you know, you've already kind of shared my history as far as being a teacher first, moving into the high school setting. And then I had two of my own young children to care for. And it became really challenging to work a high school schedule and to have two kids, especially under the age of three. So I was asking for advice and my principal at the time, Dr. Decker, who's now at Panther Creek, give him a shout out. He recommended I consider elementary school. He said, you know, you're going to watch your kids grow up and what a better way to learn about leading through the elementary lens than to be kind of at the age where your, your kids are. And so that's how I wound up at Mills Park. And here I am. So it's been a, it's a wonderful journey. It's my 23rd year in Wake County, and I've loved every minute of it, with the exception of a few moments. <laughs> you have seven years of experience in the classroom. How did teaching help prepare you to be a school leader? And what's some good advice you got along the way? I absolutely think that is essential to be a classroom teacher before you even consider being a leader of a school. Most programs do require that you teach for several years just because the credibility factor is important. How can I get in front of a group of teachers and ask them to work with me or, you know, partner with me if I've not been in their shoes? And so it's incredibly important to have that experience. I think what it taught me is how much I love watching people grow. I found that seeing my students grow was profoundly impactful on me as a human being. But then as I became a teacher leader, I started to see how much it felt equally exciting seeing my peers grow and watching them find their way, find their place, find their talent, found their skills. And so as a, as a principal, it is incredibly fulfilling to see teachers become leaders, 
Whether or not that means they leave the classroom, I sure hope not. I actually want them to stay in the classroom, but I want them to feel empowered and to know that this cannot be work that we do in silos. It has to be shared. This leadership model must be something that we delegate and we support each other to make sure the school grows. Thank you for sharing that. And I think I know the answer to this next question, but really, I would love for you to explore why you shifted from elementary school to middle school. Is it for your children? So I'm going to give you an opportunity to talk about your kids. I know as a mom, you want to. (laughs) Don't we all? It's, It's just, you know, there's some days, right, when I'd rather not. But for the most part, they're really great kids, and I'm super proud of them. I will back up and say the question you just asked me, the two part was about advice. And this ties into the question you just asked me. So one of the things that I have been told a long time over the years is that you have to be who you are. You can't be someone that you're not, regardless of what position you're in. And I am a sensitive person, I think, and I feel, and I have a really big heart for others, which can also sometimes be a weakness because I can become you know, kind of entrenched in what is best for everyone, which which sometimes takes time to work through. And so I think being in an elementary school has allowed for me to get to know the stories about how kids and even staff become the way that they are. You know, how do they develop as young people to become extroverts, introverts, people who might be sensitive, people who might need some support throughout the day. Being in an elementary school helps you to discover how we as adults got to be where we are. And so oftentimes I think about we're really just all eight-year-olds walking around in the world. And, you know, it's and, and so for that, I'm excited to go on this journey with my own personal children because I've watched them grow up. They both went through Laurel Park. My youngest, Bennett, is coming to Apex Middle School. I think right now she's real excited that I'm here with her. I don't know how she'll feel in a couple of years, so that's debatable. <laughs> um, and my son just left middle school. He's going into the ninth grade at Green Oak High School, and I feel like Salem Middle did a phenomenal job preparing him. And the one thing I will say is that I do believe that these three years are crucial. And I see kids leave us in elementary school ready to take on secondary and sometimes lose their way. And I want to be a part of finding out why and helping to to make sure it doesn't happen. And that's very pie in the sky. I know that's a big dream, but I'd rather be part of the dream than to not be part of it at all. Over the years, teachers, school librarians, and administrators have come under a lot of pressure from folks outside the classroom. Social media has amplified that pressure. How do you help guide your staff to stay focused on teaching students and creating a great environment for them to succeed. It really comes down to managing and working around what it is that we can control. I don't want my staff to ever feel like they need to answer to someone's opinion, especially an anonymous opinion, especially someone's individual thoughts about the way school should look like or what we should be doing. We are here to serve everyone to serve all of the students in our community that come to us. And I keep the eye on the prize, you know, focus on what we can control, which is kindness, demonstrating positive intentions, assuming the best in people, and really trying to partner with families. Communication and partnership are key. And if you can manage both of those well, 
it really doesn't matter what's happening around us. People can post whatever they want. They can say whatever they want, but we will know what it is that we're doing because we all are sharing that vision of focusing on kids and kids first and making them be the best hopeful future adults that they can be. And so, you know, again, it's out of our control what others are saying or doing, but it's not out of our control in how we treat people and how we respond in a positive manner. I'm going to be, you know, real for a second. Those pressures can be really difficult for teachers. They have so many things that they're trying to do. How do you as a principal help them stay and help teachers stay enthusiastic about their jobs? And how do you address teacher retention? That, I mean, that is, I'm sure, a question that all of us, at least in the past couple of years, have really started to question because, you know, I wake up every day and I think, how can I be kinder to others, be more understanding? How can I offer flexibility? How can I continue to help others see that families should come first. We want people's families to come first. And sometimes that isn't enough, right? Uh, It's expensive to live in Wake County. It's hard to raise kids. There are daycare issues and so many other things that affect how teachers can actually go to work every day. And it's, it's hard. And so I think part of the way that I try to lead the people that I serve would be by understanding what their needs are finding out what it is that they must have to be able to bring their best selves to school every day. And that's individualized. Just like we personalize learning for kids, it's the same with how we personalize support for adults. And not everybody is going to need the same thing. And so that's challenging for me this year, walking into Apex Middle School, getting to know everyone, understanding the history and the tradition and the what's worked and what hasn't worked. All of those are going to be talking points throughout this year. And so, you know, it took seven years, I think, at Laurel Park to really understand the history and the the desires that people had for growth, but also their fears and, and what that looked like on a daily basis. And at the end of the day, if your child is sick, then you need to be with your child. And so how do we support people without making them feel guilty and yet still meet the needs of students? So it's always a balancing act. And and if I could tell you there were a magic formula, then I probably would never have a teacher vacancy. But because I've obviously experienced those, then we do the best that we can. The other side of it is I think when making decisions, there are times that we have to make difficult decisions that affect teachers and staff. It is important for me to always be sure that I am telling them why we are making that decision. I think arbitrary decision making or decision making that is maybe not arbitrary at all has a lot of why behind it. But if it's not shared, then oftentimes staff will create their own narrative. Therefore, families will create their own narratives. And so I think it goes back to that partnership and communication that if you really want to keep staff on your journey, and to share this journey with us, you know, to share this vision with us as an admin team, we have to make sure that we are telling them why. And the more we do that, I think the better off we're all going to be as a community. So that's long-winded, but it really just comes from a place of knowing your why and making sure that you're caring for others. The pandemic upended a lot of norms. Schools now deal with even more stretching of resources, especially for student services from ESL to AIG, 
what can be done so every student has the resources they need to succeed in school? That is a really good question and something that I think as teachers and leaders, we are asking ourselves every day. It really comes to me, it comes down to knowing who you're serving, understanding what they're coming to school every day with. And that starts with the individual teachers getting to know their students, understanding who they are as people and also who they are as learners. We also need to use data. We must use data to help guide where we go instructionally. You know, if 80% of kids already know the material, then we do not need to start back over at the very beginning. However, we need to provide scaffolds and supports for those that may be in that 15 to 20%. So it's constantly about problem solving. Is it an environmental concern? Is it an instructional concern or is it a curriculum concern? And it goes both ways, right? If you're a student who has academic needs or if you're a student that needs academic enrichment, all of that really comes down to the individual learner. And so the more that we can train teachers to scaffold instruction and to ask for the resources that are available to them and to support them in that work, I think the better off all of our students are going to be. But we're not doing that blindly. We have to use data to support those decisions. And we have to be willing to say when we don't get it right and how we can get back to a place of, you know, serving all. I think that Enrichment services are challenging in middle school because so many elementary families are used to a pullout program. They're used to a pullout model, and that seems very intentional. But again, we're talking about 45 minutes of math AIG or 45 minutes of reading EIG a week. And so, you know, you go from that model to then more of a push and support model in middle school, but it still has to happen in core. It cannot be the pullout, the support that gives all students that need it enrichment. It should be in core. And so how do we help our teachers provide those experiences without necessarily overwhelming them or overloading them? And that's what we're going to be working on. I think that's so important. And middle school is different from elementary school in not just the age of the kids, but the type of instruction they're getting. Absolutely. And, and let me just make one last note. We want all kids to feel confident academically. We want all kids to know that they have gifts, and it may not be that their gifts are in math or reading. It could be their gifts are in singing and dancing. But ultimately, all children need an education. And so that personalized instruction is going to be where we'll make that happen. At this point, I get to ask my favorite question of every interview. So, Raleigh, what is the best part of your job? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I love connecting with people. One of the things that brings me joy is to see other people feel proud about themselves in a leadership capacity or just even in a classroom environment. Just the, the ability to see people grow and to know that they are realizing their true potential is absolutely um, my favorite part of the job. Also, I love kids. I love joking with teens. I love having hugs from little elementary school friends, which I have a feeling I'm going to miss a little bit. <laughs> um, but just connecting with the human condition. We are so busy every single day that I just feel like we don't take time to enjoy the moments that bring us together. And that's what I know it kind of sounds a little Pollyanna or cheesy, but I don't want to miss those moments. And I want to help 
find those moments and celebrate those moments. And so just connecting with humans, connecting with people. Before we wrap up, I have an important question. I hope you're prepared. On, oh, on behalf of an Apex Middle School student who happens to be my eighth grade mm-hmm. daughter, mm-hmm. in your tenure, will you allow students to sit where they want at lunch? <laughs> Well, you can tell your eighth grade student uh, that they can be excited that eighth graders will have the luxury of being able to sit anywhere they want to in the cafeteria. Um, What we're going to sort of attempt to do this upcoming year is really highlight the eighth grade year. Eighth grade students have earned their right to be the oldest kids in the building. They're getting ready to be high schoolers in a short year. So we need to treat them as such. Um, So they will be able to have access to their cell phones at lunch and be able to eat where they want at lunch. Um, We're still asking that all students put their devices away during instruction, but we do think there are some areas of flexibility in our schedule specifically for our eighth graders. So you can just tell her she'll sleep well tonight. Sounds good. So I would actually like to leave some space mm-hmm. in the program. Is there anything else you would like your parents to know about you or about the coming year? Well, I think that most importantly, I want everyone to know how happy I am to be here. You know, Laurel Park is a very special place, and it certainly will always have a special place in my heart. The first time I was ever a principal and I worked through COVID and the family support was amazing. My hope is to bring a sense of the same love of community here. I think there already is that, but I hope to expand it and to build on it. But I also need for folks to know that leadership is not something that happens overnight. It is built. And I'm going to be watching and listening and asking questions and making influential decisions around things that I know I can control right this minute, but also that you know, in a year's time from now, it probably will feel a little different in the sense of being able to make greater change. You know, it just takes time. You don't want to walk into a place and not build capacity or trust and just start making decisions. And so I think it's important for, I hope that our families will be patient and we'll see the love that's in my heart for this school, but also just understand that, you know, I'm here to stay, um, hopefully. <laughs> so, you know, that I'm not looking to go to high school or do anything like that. Like, this is not a stepping stone for me. That's awesome. Thank you, Raleigh. <laughs> and thank you again for letting us visit Apex Middle School today for this interview. We have so enjoyed getting to know you better. Well, I hope you'll come back. <laughs> for our listeners, if you would like to learn more about other Apex School principals, check out our previous shows at peakcitypodcast.com. Click on the Listen tab and you'll find more shows about principals and other folks from Apex. Thanks to Keller Williams Legacy in Beaver Creek for their support, Peak City Sound for the music, and we'll see you around town.